You're listening to Toronto's number one real estate podcast, powered by Watson Estates. The most successful local real estate investing starts right here, right now. Here's your host, broker, investor, and social media influencer, Bradley Watson. Good morning, investors. Bradley here from Watson Estates. It is Saturday, July 11th, 2020, but we all know realtors don't sleep on weekends. And so here we are with some more amazing content as it relates to the Toronto real estate market. We're keeping our finger on the pulse, if there still is a pulse, depending on who you ask. <laughs> Today, we're going to cover some really great stuff. We're going to start off with an article from Better Dwelling. Should first-time homebuyers have listened a little more closely to CMHC's warning? We're going to discuss how they could be severely impacted and, as they call it, slaughtered if they hadn't. And then we're going to get into this idea of, is now the time to try selling your property or is it too late? Is it time that we start buckling our seatbelt and get ready for the ride? And then to finish it all off, are jobs coming back as we begin this discussion of when we're going to enter stage Three, we're having lots of fun, and this market specifically has many first-time homebuyers, and often they are the most likely to act like sheep. Well, it's a bad time, that was pretty good, <laughs> to be a sheep, as the news is calling you, uh, because you might get slaughtered. I know, that's, that's a pretty bad dad joke, but in my opinion, it's sheer brilliance. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. We're having a lot of fun over here on Toronto's number one real estate podcast. We are now number one on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. I guess you could say we're the goat. <laughs> I know, it's a different animal, but it's still close enough to be funny. <laughs> so let's get into our first article of the day, coming out of Better Dwelling. I love this content because it kind of highlights where first-time homebuyers stand, and they are absolutely the most vulnerable in a market like this. If you don't understand what's going on, it'll start to make sense in just a moment. Their article, you little sheep out there, Canada's housing agency warned first-time buyers, now they're getting slaughtered. Okay, so early on during the pandemic when everything was kind of starting out here, they have this, in this article, they discuss about how his name is Evan Sedal. He's the head of the CMHC. He pretty much warned first-time buyers. If you guys remember, there's this idea that if you buy something early on for, let's say, 5% down, and yet we have such a high likelihood of seeing price drops, then you could find yourself in a really bad position. And I would say right now is no different because right now we're looking at the market standing, you know, over 10%, 10 to 15% all across the market, depending on where you are, of course, in price appreciation year over year. But many people are calling our market, even now, even some of the more optimistic people are calling 2020, the end of the year, to see a price increase of 3 to 4%. So naturally, you're going to see not just seasonal prices coming down because we're in the spring, which we're going to see in a second. Some people don't like me calling it the spring. We want to call it the gong show. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> but regardless, we also have this potential. If we are going to find us only 3 to 4% above the year-end price year over year, then that means we're going to see other significant price declines. And so I would say what has been said to first-time homebuyers and to anybody looking to put down a little bit of money in a market with this much volatility is watch out, you could get slaughtered. So Better Dwelling, they put together some stats for us here. When we dive into the greater Toronto condo apartment market, buyers, they say, lost a significant chunk of change last month. 
The benchmark price of condo apartments was 601000 in May, and 5% of that would be 30000 So they run the math on it for us here. The benchmark fell $9,600 in June, which would have wiped out, if you put, like they're saying, 5% down, 31, almost 32% of that down payment. In other words, people with 5% equity would be sitting now, if you bought just last month in the condo market, 3.4% from your 5%. Quite a significant drop in one month. You see where this is kind of lining up here? And if we, as I expect, will continue to see condo prices coming down, that's going to get more and more terrible and not to mention these guys don't even have enough money in the property to sell like you got to pay five to six percent just to sell the thing when you're on the other end and if you've only got you know three percent in the property you're underwater plus you got to pay fees to sell something and with money you don't yet have so it's a very dangerous game to be buying in with such a low down payment in a market as volatile as this one and this is why we've been saying if you've been buying in this market one you got to either hold it for a long time but it really is reserved for wealthier people our market is changing if you got to rent it's a good time to rent <laughs> many landlords out there will tell you or shit what do they like to call it? not landlords property providers <laughs> housing providers <laughs> So they go on further, in the city of Toronto, the declines are a little more steep than the whole region of the GTA. So they say if you bought a benchmark price in May of 633000 with a 5% down payment, would put you at 31 and change. The benchmark now fell 11400 in June, which would wipe out 35.9% of that down payment that you'd put. So if you bought it in May 5% and you had a condo in the city of Toronto, you've now lost you're now down to 3.2% equity in that home. Not to mention you also, things they're completely ignoring on here is you're gonna need CMHC insurance, which adds further to it, which takes away even more of that kind of, that percentage. Like you're, you're even though you put 5% down on a property with CMHC, you're actually gonna have less than 5% to start. It's a really weird thing how that works. If you don't understand, that's okay. But no big deal. The point, the point here is if you're putting a little bit of money down, that such a small shock to our market, which is, very likely at this point, especially in the condo segment, you're you're in a very bad position. And so we need to be properly educating first-time home buyers so that they're not just running to get slaughtered. So here's one more point they got that I got highlighted before we move on. These numbers are just one month in, which doesn't necessarily make a trend. However, it is a substantial single month decline most people aren't discussing. We've said this, right? People aren't talking about the condo market. It's being overshadowed by high performance, high success of the other low rise segments. A number of firms have now forecasted declines, which they state won't happen until the second half of the year. And people should have been saying this earlier. I, I mean, that's my opinion. I think we should have been recognizing that once the money started pouring out and CERB happened and all these things that kind of caught the market, I think by telling people the market's going to go down as a blanket statement actually caused more confusion. Because if you were to explain this is how this is going to work, people aren't going to run out and buy a house and sell it in two, three months. They need to recognize that because the problem is they're now seeing the market's doing really good and the, the media is promoting doing really good. And as a first time buyer, like I'm going to get priced out. Supply is tight and I'm missing out. I don't even realize the deals I could get on rentals right now and I'm locked in. They just are completely ignorant. But the problem is, is we, if, if people were to paint the full picture and say, listen, it's going to be good until Q4. And then we got to be really, really, really careful. This is what we've been saying. If this was the picture, people would be a little less optimistic to run into a market that's on fire <laughs> or a house that's on fire. <laughs> so 
actually a really good. I love that analogy. That's funny. <laughs> Organizations like the CMHC have stated Toronto and Vancouver will see the largest price declines, right? Highest fluctuation, highest opportunity. That's how I see it. At least one bank has forecasted the declines will hit condo apartments hardest. I don't know which one they're talking about. I think RBC, but I don't know for sure. They've been the loudest recently with their forecasts. Alrighty. So my advice there is, of course, enter cautiously, especially if you're going into the condo market and people that are buying right now, they should have, you know, stable jobs, stable income. That stability also means a good size down payment, right? So going to discuss the market before I kind of keep tooting along, I want to be able to share what some of our audience has said because I, I like to periodically throw this in here so we can kind of get a balanced perspective and there's various perspectives in the chat room. So Matt Sky, thanks for your comment. Stop calling this the spring market. Here's where I get, this is where I got it, guys. <laughs> the reason I call it the spring market is by the, the stats, the way we're seeing it, the peak, right? The peak in prices, the peak in the number of sales activity. It lines up best if we were to compare it to anything to a spring market. So it's really just to keep it for simplicity. But he says, it's going to be a gong show. So I told him I'm going to start calling it a gong show. <laughs> and then Sanjay, thank you for your comment. Yes, uh, but, but, or buy when millions will come off CERB in September and mortgage deferrals will end in a few months and healthy indicators, of course, right? So just be careful, guys. Be careful. We're watching these things. CERB, mortgage deferrals, big things. And I would add to that evictions, which is going to happen at, at a city near you very soon. Baseline, thank you for your comment. I know he's out in Vaughn because I've had dialogue with him in the past. A home in my area just sold for a peak 27 price, maybe 10 to 15,000 less only. So we're, and we're seeing actually a lot of cities have passed on average, actually we've passed the 2017 prices. And so I would just be very careful of using that as your, your only source of info. I know he's not doing that. I know he's a smart guy, but, but guys, just be careful. Of course, we're seeing peak prices. Sharing lungs. Thank you for your comment. And they kind of mentioned that it's not universal to what baseline had said. We're not even at the point of the bailouts ending yet to see where things stand. Plus, parts of the U.S. seems to be going into lockdown again, right? We've got cases just flying through the roof. It's actually quite nutty if you look at the there's little charts. I saw a chart put out. I don't know if it was City News or City TV. One of these guys mapped out where the cases are. If you look, include the U.S. It's gross. <laughs> Ew, said the sheep. <laughs> Don't be, it can't be good for our economy here. I agree. We got to be careful. All right. Let's move on to topic number two. And the question here that I want to ask comes out of really good dialogue I had with a listener yesterday. I had a probably a half hour call with them. Great conversation, trying to figure out what they want to do with their investments. Great ideas came out of the chat. So here you go. You get a little piece of it. The overflow. Is now the time to try selling or buckle my seatbelt, right? Because we're coming into July. And if July is the end of the gong show, formerly known as the spring market, then your time is quite short, right? Because you're going to have a two-month close, but you got to get that thing posted, which, I mean, realistically, I could probably get the thing up for you in a week, but can you sell it in a week after that? You, you could try, but in a market like the condo market, which is where you got to be a little more careful, you got to be recognized the days on market on those are, are getting quite lengthy. So it's getting tight. It is getting tight. So there's an article that came out of the Financial Post and this idea of refinancing. I thought this is a perfect place to put this and mortgage renewal requests. And we don't see this as much as realtors, but we hear it from our mortgage broker friends all the time. So the real estate market, this is the article, might have experienced a temporary freeze in April and May, but mortgage brokers across the country are reporting some of their busiest months ever due to a surge in inquiries on mortgage renewals and refinances as Canadians rush to take advantage of historically low interest rates that show no near term sign of rising. 
right now and we don't i don't anticipate them to go up anytime soon either so this is the case this is funny because earlier in the year you know march april there were mortgage brokers pulling their hair out it sounds to me like they're a lot like realtors right you were freaking out but now all of a sudden here we are sitting and i'm outperforming by a quite a long shot my stats from last year in personal production so they're seeing the same thing what a crazy business right up down up down here's some of the things they say Quote, this is, I think, who said this? This is, I don't know. We're going to find out in a second. Someone from RateHub, I think. Co-founder of RateHub. Here we go. On average, if a client's mortgage was above 3%, then it made sense to pay the penalty to break the mortgage and refinance. That's how cheap mortgages are now. We've been seeing that category of clients look to take advantage of lower rates. Rates are historically at the lowest point ever, so naturally you'll see a surge in refinancing and also debt consolidation. The interest rates that we saw, the dropping that happened, those giant point drops that we, that took place, it seemed like overnight, they took a while to roll out of the banking segment and now the lenders are giving the rates, right? Mortgage renewal inquiries, listen to this, rose 78% and refinance inquiries rose 182%. Mortgage rates crept up in April and May despite, so they're giving the history, despite the borrowing rates coming down. But since then, renewal and refinance inquiries are rising by 18 to 30 five percent respectively this is looking uh, as of june decreased again in june rates are coming back down so that's what we're seeing and that trend i believe is going to continue and then on the renewal side if you have renewal coming up in the next few months and you see your rates are low then you start to inquire about transferring lenders right so if you've got something that you're locked into you know what it might not be a bad time to shop around if there's something you're going to shop for it's what is it auto insurance because you're not driving your car and home home uh, financing. <laughs> Why not? Get yourself that deal. According to RateHub, they released data. Actually, this is, sorry, lowestrates.ca. They're actually a competitor of RateHub. They found that the number of requests for refinancing quotes surged by, listen to this, 389% in March compared to February, right? So on a year-over-year basis, the, the total rise in refinancing margin quotes in, in March was 156%. And that number... I would anticipate is continuing to rise as interest rates are actually, sorry, rates are actually coming down to line up with, with the interest rates. Rates are low. This is a good point, but really they have been low since 2009. In a way we are splitting hairs when looking at the difference between, listen to some of these numbers, 2.29% for a five-year mortgage and (laughs) 1.99%. Like what are these rates? (laughs) So I had this conversation yesterday with uh, with a really nice lady. I was a great discussion. We we're trying to kind of come up with a game plan on what would work for her investments. And they said it's about, so what I said is about moving quick right now. If you're going to sell your condo, for example. But the next problem, because a lot of investors follow us, and this is the case for her, is if you got tenants, you can't just kick them out. And not to mention the cycle to sell that property is probably going to take a little bit longer. You got to be a little more flexible with showings. So if that's the case, if someone's tied to that property, it's too late right? It's too late, unfortunately, but also not a big deal because you don't make money selling properties. You make money buying properties. So, and with the low borrowing costs is why I wanted to put this here. You don't need necessarily to sell because the the lending cost can be so low. It can fill the gaps for you. You know what I'm saying? I hope that makes sense. So don't feel like, so realistically, 
So what I was kind of explaining to her yesterday, let's say you got a million dollar house, right? You're going to sell the thing. And let's say you got $800,000 in equity. If you sell it, you get 800,000 in equity, but really you could refinance that get 400 and or 500,000 out of it at, at next to nothing at the pennies on the, the dollar still collect a positive cash flow because it's so cheap. Right. And, and you play that game. You make sure you get the positive cash flow, and really all you've missed out is that extra two, $300,000, but you're still in the game. You don't need to sell in order to play that game. And so in markets that you're like, I got to get rid of this house. Okay, fine. No problem. But it's not necessary to sell right now. You can put on your seatbelt and go for the ride. And if you can't act quick, I would say holding tight means locking down the tenants as well for a one year term. This was kind of came out of this conversation with her, which I thought was a very valid point is she's have, she has tenants that are month to month, which is the case for many people. If you've had a long-term tenant, even if it means taking the same amount of rent as you've gotten last year, lock down the one year because it's only a matter of time before they're going to turn around and they're going to listen to a podcast like this and realize that there is sweet deals out there right now. And you want to make sure that you've got a commitment and however you sell that, sell that. Right. And likewise to you tenants out there, shop around, <laughs> right. Or hold them over the fire because you can. <laughs> All right. Let's start getting into stage three here. This reopening our jobs coming back as we near stage three. I thought this was a perfect place to put this comment that came from W on YouTube. Appreciate it. He asked a question a few days back. Do you think China issuing a warning about Canada will slow down immigration? So they've kind of been saying, to their, their citizens to quote, Canada is quote, vi citing violent action. So apparently we're like the most violent country in the world because obviously China is picking a fight with everybody at the same time. And so he's asking, is that going to slow down immigration? I don't think so. Even if you look at the long-term immigration, it's not, I mean, China is a big component of it right now, but eventually that will change. They have the, the nice thing about China is they got a lot of money, right? Like we want lots of money coming in. I don't think people buy it. And, and I, realistically the immigration as far as moving into our country is oftentimes when they first move here or people come for school or whatever, it takes a three year time frame. Anyways, I just, I don't see it. Maybe, maybe, but we are in such a high position of immigration. I'm not that concerned. And event, and by the way, these things are cyclical. Like think about where we were in conversations with China and you know, the United States with even just a year ago, it's crazy how fast these things can evolve and eventually affect Toronto condo sales. So this is what he's asking and rent demand. So, I, I think the pain that we're feeling in Toronto right now is what will continue. So to say immigration is going to like this, this outbreak that we're seeing or this fighting going on internationally or the fear, I don't think it's going to make things any worse. I think we're kind of in the worst. It seems as though it's actually coming out the other side. So I think at worst, what we have now will continue, right? Namely foreign buyers pulling back, which we've seen for years and rental demand being down. So the faster we can get our immigration back up, the faster we can boost the rental market, which in some cases isn't what people want either. So depends on what side of the stage you're on. And he says, also, do you feel the U.S. coronavirus increase on the border remains closed? How will it affect Toronto economically? Will it bring down housing? Amazing questions. I wish I knew the answer. And I also don't know how they're going to treat that. Like, are we because it almost appears like the U.S. is on its track to to herd immunity. And that's not our game plan up here. So I don't know. I think we're going to need to, we're going to need to really figure out what our relationship to other countries around the world looks like. And that's a job for someone smarter than myself. <laughs> and then Ryan, thank you for your comment. Number of immigrants tripled in May from April, right? We're seeing rises. 
and 11,000 people in a single month, which is, is quite minor, really. But, I mean, it's the right direction. And June will be even higher as we restart. Canada's in great shape COVID-wise. So immigration is pro-growth still. I agree. I think we're at the bottom when it comes to immigration. And I think it's only uphill from here. And at the same time, what's leading the pack on a lot of this is jobs, right? Jobs. As we reopen, we need to know whether the, is this actually helping our jobs locally. So Statistics Canada says, this is according to TorontoStories.com, that unemployment rate fell to 12.3% in June, a drop of 1.4%. In other words, people are getting jobs back where it had hit a record of 13.7 in May. So not huge numbers, given that we were at 5.6 in February, but still progress. Good things, good things. And actually, what I love about this article, which we'll go back in a second because there's something in here that's really funny. You know me. I got to stop for the humor every now and again. <laughs> but they say in Ontario, like you asked the question, is Toronto better off or worse off? That was actually, I asked that a few days ago in our podcast. I, I didn't know. And well, here it is. They say the unemployment or the employment levels in Toronto was 89.6% of the February level compared with 94.5% for the rest of the province. So in other words, Toronto's actually lagging behind in getting their jobs back. Interesting point. Also an interesting point that I quite I find quite funny is that there are nearly 2.5 million Canadians didn't have jobs either due to temporary or permanent layoffs while the remainder are now working less than half their usual hours. So this idea of people are even though they're going back to work they're not necessarily making the same amount of money. And then they talk about this. In June, Statistics Canada reported the employment rose slightly faster among women. Interesting. At 6.1% than men at 5.5%. <laughs> here's the joke you ready where's the discrimination ladies <laughs> and this is why it's funny not because we're making fun of ladies it's funny because we're making fun of men the next paragraph on a cumulative basis however <laughs> after including may gains employment among men had recovered to 92.3 percent compared to women at 89.2 percent and the ladies are all like well there it is <laughs> Right? But people are getting their jobs back in almost equal step. I mean, various months, whatever. But we're all getting our work back. And this is these are real jobs. This is real numbers that affect real people with real families in the real estate business. <laughs> all right. Let's move on to stage two. We're going to talk – or we're in stage two now, actually, which has been great. Because you sheep out there, you've been able to, you know, go get your hair cut at the local uh, ba shop. <laughs> <laughs> but now when's stage three coming? When is it coming? Well, Doug Ford declined on Thursday to offer any specifics, but he said it's going to come very shortly, hopefully sooner than later. And there was an article from CBC, which talks to some of the things that will likely happen or kind of estimates based on what provinces are doing around us. Restaurants, for example, will have lower than full capacity or minimum space between tables, but will probably go back indoors. Bars and clubs. Well, in Montreal, they're now limited to 50% of the legal capacity but they must be in their seats to drink. Dancing is banned. Alcohol sales end at midnight and customers must be out the door by 1 a.m. It's quite a system. <laughs> Cinema, cinemas, right? Movie theaters. Sitting, sitting in seats could return, right? Which we saw in BC on July 3rd with restrictions, of course. Gyms, right? Profound changes, obviously, but will most likely open with stage three. And other things to keep in mind, playgrounds will finally open instead of getting those 100 kids in the park to go over to the splash pad. It was about to spread them out a little bit. <laughs> and of course, the maximum size of social gatherings will increase most likely from 10. And where that'll be, we will find out. But some crazy stuff is happening, right? Like I saw an article of Niagara. The Niagara strip clubs, they're set to open without strippers this Saturday. <laughs> when they do reopen and the strippers come back, I'm guessing they'll need to wear masks, right? <laughs> or do you do it on the patio? I don't know. 
<laughs> but if we were smart with our investment based on everything we see, we heard here today, hopefully explained very clearly, we won't get slaughtered. Instead, at the tail end of all of this, we'll all be out there driving our Lamborghinis. <laughs> we had some fun. Thanks for tuning in, guys. I'm going to be off tomorrow, of course, as we usually do on Sundays, take the day off with the family. But I'm going to be putting together most likely our video for next Wednesday. I'm open to top topic ideas. If you have any, send them over. We'll be putting that together. And make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit the like. Thanks for joining us. And we'll have great conversations. We are number one on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts for Toronto Real Estate. I'll see you next time. Take care and keep it real.